got to get Kara's mat and jump again. Broke her own So for those online, we welcome you and those in the house. Just a matter of uh, word of whatever, public service, that if the onliners have trouble with the live stream, there's a possibility that there was a, there was a big solar flare or more than one that went off actually I think a couple of days ago and it's now we're you know we're running into it or it's running into us according to your perspective yeah. but um, the uh, effect could be just a blip here and there or it could cause some disruptions uh, I have my question about the phone disruptions the other day they're trying to tell you that it had something to do with uh, uh, a Russian hack or something I don't buy it um, I think that uh, I think they're having some serious issues with the solar um, flares and solar storms and we're not even there to the big one big period yet we're coming up to the uh, I think in the next year year and a half where we're going to have more solar interruptions than we're used to and just as an FYI um, the the last big event I can't remember they they call it something like the Bradenton event or something like that but look it up but um, every 100 years we're due for a massive solar storm which in 1859 wiped out our telegraph system and they had to redo the whole thing now if that happened now Think of the damage it would do in the results. It could affect the power grid would put out everything, but even if the grid didn't totally go down, you still have all the chips and electronic uh, gadgets which will go down because of this. It's an electromagnetic pulse which can happen through nature or by nuclear explosions. The concern they have, they say they have a concern right now with Russia letting off an EMP and knocking out our satellites. Um, and, but it would also cause damage on the earth. It just it wouldn't hurt us in the sense that you think of a nuclear bomb like Hiroshima, but it would put out communications and all that. So just FYI, if the onliners or if you, any throughout the day, the next day or two, if you notice you're losing power or you're losing uh, your phone or your internet or whatever, it could be due to that. Yes, Jessica. What is, is that what a solar flare is? It's just what it sounds like. What, the sun is putting out a, uh, they call it a flare, but it's a like a big explosion that uh, is larger than, uh, I can't remember the number of nuclear explosions combined. It's a huge explosion. And then solar storms are just a larger version of that, I think. But uh, different things going on on the, surface of the sun. Yeah. Was that what happened this last week? Well, that's what I said. They said it wasn't, but I don't buy it. Yeah. They said it wasn't? They said it, they blamed it on a Russian hacker. Okay. I hadn't heard the end of the story. So if it knocks out the power grid and the internet, we'll still meet if you can drive your car and we'll have an yeah. uh, old-fashioned little house on the prairie type church. I mean, our... The best undamned band in the land is acoustic, so we won't lose power to that. 
Johnny plays the accordion with or the piano with straps, otherwise known as an accordion, and uh, just needs air for that. We've got the acoustic guitar and the clarinets. <laughs> All right, we're in Isaiah 49 in our study this morning. So if you want to get your Bibles open to Isaiah 49, beginning of verse 11, and we will read through verse 17, and uh, I'll have you read the odd verses with me <clears throat> after I get a swig of my tasty black coffee. Mm. It's hot. Splashed my lip. All right. So beginning verse 11 through 17, if you're there, read the odd with me. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. Behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste, Thy destroyers and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's open with a word of prayer. We'll ask Brother Doug if you would. Thank you, Lord, for this uh, time that, that we're having. And it's, a, it's a privilege to come to church and uh, to, to hear the message of God. Lord God, we just uh, pray to you that uh, we can uh, fill our spiritual tank and take it out. Amen. So as we uh, said previously that Isaiah 49 is a messianic chapter and it's presenting the Messiah and uh, we won't rehash all that but some great stuff up above including uh, the passage uh, in verse 3 where we identify the Messiah himself being referred to as Israel. Amen. And uh, said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Now previously we had emphasized the servant was Cyrus. And now the servant is the Messiah himself. You have to pay attention to context. A lot of people don't, and I'm one of those, the first, I don't know how many times I read through Isaiah, I was just always confused because uh, when I got saved, I'd only read parts of books. I cheated my way through school. I copied people's notes. When they were, we were told to read books, if there was a movie version, I'd watch the movie. <laughs> um, I was unsaved and didn't care a lick about anything. I was pretty foolish. Then when I got saved, I began reading, but it took me a while to even really develop the ability to read. Um, I, uh, I would have to read passages over and over I, in the Bible and in books I was reading um, 
the first book I read was uh, the first adult level book I ever read was after I got saved, after I was out of high school. It's called uh, Dark Secrets of the New Age by Tex Mars. I don't recommend him now. He went off the deep end. I, don't, I think he's still alive. But um, through the 90s, he did put out some pretty good stuff. Then he became an anti-Israel, anti-Zionist, anti-dispensational nut. <laughs> but at this time, you know, this was a, a book about the New Age, and I had been in messed, I'd messed around with that stuff, you know. And uh, so I wanted to see, whoa, what's the biblical perspective of this? And the book blew my mind. I still to this day recommend that book. You can find it used, and I, we might, we did have a copy in the library here, Dark Secrets of the New Age. But I remember I would have to read passages of that book. I read it in a week, but I probably read it three times <laughs> because. I would read and read, and then I'd stop, and I'd think, no, oh, wait a minute, I'm, I'm mine, I'm lost, I don't know. I'd go back, and I'd just read the whole thing over again. And uh, the Bible the same way, and I remember being frustrated as I was reading through books like Isaiah. But I'm going to tell you, once I learned that you had to pay attention to uh, the context, <laughs> and that's why I emphasize it so often, what are the three first rules for interpreting the Bible? Context, context, context. Because that's what I see most people messing up their understanding of the Bible. It's because they ignore the context. And then you have to understand who's speaking, who who is speaking to who. That's all part of the context. Um, And that makes a huge difference. And so uh, as I'm coming through Isaiah, I really, in these these chapters, I remember not understanding who is he talking about. And uh, it looked like he was talking about Cyrus, and all of a sudden it looked like he's talking about the Messiah. Well, it's because the context changed. And that's all there is to it. And uh, that's as simple as it is as we come to our text. As we see um, in verse 7, Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and His Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel and he shall choose thee, and so forth. And uh, so picking up where John left off there in verse 11, uh, he's talking about uh, Israel, and uh, in verse 10, where we left off, they shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor sun smite them, for he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And then he says this in verse 11 that we just read, and I will make all my mountains a way, and my highways shall be what? Well, if you were with us on Wednesday night, this is actually another parallel to what we're talking about when the millennium happens, when the millennium takes place. I uh, had several people tell me that they had never uh, heard or learned what we, one of the things we talked about was the fact that God says that he's going to exalt uh, Jerusalem above all the other mountains, because Jerusalem is on a mountain. And he calls Jerusalem a lot of times my mount or my mountains. Have any of you heard of Mount Zion? No. And then, uh, how many? we talked about the fact that the house of the Lord is another reference to the temple of the Lord. Originally the tabernacle of the Lord. Well... What do they call the place where they're planning on right now rebuilding the temple or the third temple or the tribulation temple? The Temple Mount. 
And so verse 11 says, I will make all my mountains a way. Uh, the whole uh, Jerusalem is a mount, but it is on or part of a, a system of mountains called Moriah. And they call the area where the Temple Mount is actually is the Mount Moriah. But the whole area is called Moriah. And similar to a, um, I can't remember the name of this. Uh, I, I've talked about this previously and have referred to other mountain ranges, they call them sometimes. But you think of the Appalachian Mountains. You know, it's a whole uh, tr- uh, system of mountains. And then each mountain has a particular name. I don't know if there's a particular mountain called the Mount Appalachia or Appalachia, according to how you pronounce it. But that's how it works in a lot of these systems. There'll be uh, a range they'll give a name, and that's what they did in Israel. They called the whole range of mountains Moriah. But the mount where the Temple Mount is and in Jerusalem there is Mount Moriah. So when he says plural, I will make all my mountains away and my highway shall be exalted. Why? Because it's actually going to, the whole trip up to Jerusalem is going to be going upward from whatever direction. And that's really true now. Uh, if you go over to Israel and you walk it, especially you'll notice, you're going uphill from whatever direction. But it, at this time, Jerusalem still is not even the highest uh, mountain. Uh, Jerusalem isn't the highest mountain in the area. And they say when you look off toward Jordan, the country called Jordan, it's higher. But during the millennium, that will all be lifted up. And everybody will go up to see the Lord. Um, Look over Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 is well known because of a couple of verses found in there. But I want to look at verses 1 through 3 right there at the beginning. believe that if I have the right um, yeah lift my Bible to the wrong book <coughs> we're familiar with verse 9 the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it mm-hmm. and uh, then it's verse uh, let's see which one is it I think there was another real well-known and known verse in there. But what's that? Well, I thought somebody was pointing me to it. But anyway, let's read verses one through three. There, um, read the odd with me. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diadem. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of their altars. Whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills, O my mountain in the field, I will give thy substance and all thy treasures to the spoil and thy high places for sin throughout all thy borders. Now when you see that, you should think of Jerusalem when you see that. He says, O my mountain in the field. That's because uh, Jerusalem is surrounded by areas that are just fields like that's where Megiddo. You can look from Jerusalem, and I believe from the Mount of Olives, where Jesus is going to actually land when he returns. You look out in the distance, and you see Megiddo. 
Armageddon. It's a big, flat land. That's why so many wars have already taken place. Battles have been fought there already. But the big one's coming. Johnny? Yeah, this is just a, a, an interesting, sub, interesting thought I had on the, because we were talking about Jerusalem, now it's going to be raised. It's in, in one of my one of my classes that I took. They give their theory that the way mountains form, and I, so I don't know how scientific it is, but was these plates coming together mm -hmm. and pushing it up. Yeah. I wonder if that's if God's going to be if that giant earthquake is going to be something like that. That's exactly what I expect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that we believe happened during the flood. Uh, the most scientists will, you know, millions of years, and it's just been pressing forward and going up and up. And I believe that uh, Mount St. Helens and other places have shown how quickly new mountains can be created, new canyons can be created within a matter of hours, and that's what happened at the flood. And there was this crash, and the fountains of the deep broke up. What do you think that's talking about? That's referring to the plates. And it is in the deepest part of the oceans where it happened. And these that's why when you... Look, go up to the top of the mountains, you find fish and sea creatures, fossils of these sea creatures up there. How'd that happen? Because during the flood, the fountains of the deep pushed those mountains up from the bottom of the oceans. And what are now mountains used to be seabeds. And they don't have any real explanation for that, any legit explanation for that, but we do. We have the flood. And that's what caused it. Jessica? Um, I don't know if this has much to do with this, but I'm sitting there wondering, you know about that in my lifetime, that tsunami? Tsunami? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. In, out in the east. It was in Japan. Oh, what about the one in... in uh, oh. Katrina? Oh. You're talking about hurricanes. Oh. Katrina. There was... And, well, the missionaries were there. Where they were. Taiwan? No. Is it Taiwan? Indonesia. Indonesia. Maybe it's Taiwan. Anyway, I wonder how the land has changed since that. Oh, yeah, it's, it, it's that, changed a lot. The wave came and. Yeah. And because uh, I know that one missionary lady was in her house and she was in it for. in the water and they rescued her, but she was for I don't know how long. Yeah. And so I just wonder how the land had changed. You have to look it up, but I'm, it, it's been altered, put it that way. So, um, as we said, Jerusalem sits among the mountains of God. Another reference is Isaiah 68, 59. Um, and then, of course, what we read Wednesday, Micah 4, 1 through 2, speaking of the mountain of the house of the Lord. So all those are telling us to keep an eye out for that in our reading when we see God referring to his mountains or mount, he's referring to Jerusalem and the particular mount, temple mount, uh, called Moriah in the book of Genesis. It's identified that's where Abraham uh, offered Isaac. And I believe right there where Abraham offered Isaac is exactly where the temple was built. If you see whenever David uh, brought the... Uh, ark into uh, Jerusalem and God directed where that thing went and then he directed him exactly where they would build the, te the temple and then Solomon built the temple. David got all the stuff 
got it all arranged, and after he died, Solomon built it, and I believe he built it right there on Moriah where Abraham offered Isaac. And uh, so that mount is what he's talking about. Verse 12, he says, Behold, these shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinem. Now, there's some difference of opinion on this. Some say that this refers to the Jews being regathered, um, and then others believe it's a reference to the fact that the nations will come uh, to worship the Lord. Um, and that's what the rest, and, and it gets into some of that later in this chapter, and we, we're going to see that in Micah. Micah 4 2 actually speaks of that. I just believe it's, it, it evidently is both. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And uh, as I said, we read it in Micah 4 2, but I want you to go ahead and turn over there real quickly. That Micah chapter 4, we went over this uh, a good bit Wednesday night. It's a big verse. If you want a challenge for a memory verse, there you go. Micah 4.2. If, you, if you're there, read it with me. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Choked you all up there. But uh, it says, the uh, it, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. From which direction? Any direction. You're going to go up. And it says, um, Jesus is going to teach us. That's wonderful to sit and think about. And uh, the law will go forth of Zion. So it's not just the Jews that this is referring to. The whole world is going to be uh, under the... Uh, rulership and reign of Jesus Christ and the law will be back and forth in force why we talked about it over and over during the millennium you don't live by faith you live by sight Jesus is right there in front of you teaching you yeah it's going to be an amazing time to be alive we will be there we will be there in our glorified state and the bible says we will rule and reign with him amen God could do it all himself, but he's chosen to use us, right? I mean, that's true with the gospel. If God wanted to, he could just have an angel flying around preaching the gospel like a you know, big speaker. Repent! You know, and then, but what do you do? He chooses to use us. Well, the same thing during the millennium. He's going to use us for his purposes in the millennium. Mary? Yeah. He might be one of those, but he was wanting to know where in the Bible there was um, evidence for that. Well, it says that we will be as he is. There you go. There and you if know, he doesn't think wrong. Jesus has supernatural powers, no, then they, okay. First John 3, 2 is, okay. tells us that when we see him, we will be like him, for we shall be as he is. We'll be like him. And Jesus himself said we'll, we'll be as the angels. Well, why? Because Jesus is as the angels in the sense that he is in a body. God is spirit, but Jesus appears in a body. That's why he was manifest in the flesh. He came as a baby. He's going to actually be in the bodily form when we see him in his glorified state. And it says we will be as he is. We'll be 
uh, he, he went to heaven about 33 and a half years old. Uh, he's in, it, but beyond even being in his prime, he's now glorified. Remember he told Mary, don't touch me. I haven't yet gone to my father to be yeah. glorified. That's why in that, but then after he ascended to heaven, John sees him and he's totally transformed like he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. When the Mount of Transfiguration talks about Jesus glowing and uh, he's described as hair white like wool, eyes like fire, feet like brass, all that. That's how we're going to be. Amen. And, uh, yeah, most of those guys are all millennialists. A lot of them are Christians, but they just checked out when it comes to understanding the Bible. I've known a lot of them through the years. And it's, uh, it's I think, to be honest with you, I think it's, a lot of it comes down to they just it's easier for them to just say they don't have to think about those things because it's all symbolic. And then they, you talk to ten millennialists about things and you get ten different opinions about what it all is supposed to symbolize. We, we don't have that problem. It just says what it says. It is what it is. Johnny? Yeah, this is a, there could probably be a whole other study on this, but I've been reminded now twice now so, of course, Jesus will teach or teach people during the millennial reign. But I notice it's, because the Bible also says that there will be certain things that they'll already know. Well, the knowledge of the Lord will be throughout the world, obviously. Okay, that, okay. Yeah, but the specific knowledge of the law and everything, they'll still be mortal people. They'll have to learn. You know, there's no osmosis. So... But I mean, the glorified saints, I, I, you know, I think we'll still be learning too. We'll just have an a, extremely uh, uh, better yeah, learning ability than we have now. Um, you think of these people even now in their fallen state have photographic memories. And, you know, I know a guy, he would just flip through. I mean, I don't know him personally. But I met a guy that he, he could just flip through a book and read it like that. And then remember everything in it. I think we're all going to be like that. Because I think Jesus can do that. I Actually, I think Jesus, you know, could pick up a book and just, you know, tap his head with it. And he could do that. I mean, but, yeah, Chuck? In verse 12, uh, it's the these referring to people. Well, that's right. Oh, it's good. Or a thing, like the No, it's the people. Yeah, and that's why it says, I'll make a highway. Um, it's going to have to be a super highway. Think about places like New York with their population. New Jerusalem is going to be way more populated with people than New York City because of not only the people there, but the flow due to this going in and out. Yeah. No, all the nations will come to Jerusalem. Yeah. I think we, did, we touched on that Wednesday night, but um, the Bible teaches, it, it's funny, uh, um, as you read through the Scripture looking for these things, there's only one feast that is mentioned during the millennium, and that's the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says then it's a required thing. And... Um, at this point, I believe it's going to be required of the nation's leaders to come. And if they don't, Jesus turns off the water and they go into a drought. 
And if they're still stiff-necked about it, they'll get plagued. Now, the Bible says that will happen if they disobey. Will they do that during the millennium? I don't know, but the Lord's made it clear what will happen if they do. It could be, you know, that they won't do it until they're, we know there's going to be a huge rebellion at the end. Um, but it appears very possible anyway that there might be a rogue nation here or there that might not want to obey the Lord at some point. And, you know, because again, they're still going to be just like the people we see around us. Oh, yeah. And there'll be less sin because there'll be less opportunity. But the heart will still be there, the yeah. sinful nature. And we'll see that then at the end. It'll be like, oh, okay, there's where it's been lurking all this time. It'll be something to see. So uh, let's go ahead and look at that. I got a note here, so let's look at it. Zephaniah chapter 3. You're talking right at the very tip end of the Old Testament. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Zephaniah 3, beginning in verse 8. I'll read that and then we'll continue through 10. Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations, that I may assemble the kingdoms, to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. Now that's the great tribulation. But then we jump right into what? Verses 9 and 10, read that. For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my suppliants, even the daughter of my dispersed, shall bring mine offering. That's just one example where from Ethiopia, at the time, in biblical times, that covered about a third or better of Africa. And during this time, I believe that we'll have fewer nations. A lot of the smaller nations we see today, smaller land mass nations, actually are originally part of larger nations. And they've broken off through war and, and things like that, religious reasons and all that. Under the millennium, I think it's very possible you're going to have uh, 12 major nations. And uh, because there's a reference in Deuteronomy that says he's divided the nations according to the number of the tribe of Israel. Now some people say, well, that's just talking about the tribes being divided in 12. We'll see. But um, during, during the tribulation, I believe you're going to have 10. And then the Antichrist will usurp three and sit at the head of that uh, confederacy and then there'll be a total of eight um, so the nations when Jesus returns have already been combined into just basically eight nations and so when he then sets up the nations they're all going to like Ethiopia another place that tells specifically Egypt and then but it also says they'll come from the, in, as we read north south east and west they're going to come from all over and so um, the uh you're in Zephaniah. Look over just a few pages in Zechariah, chapter 14, verse 16. And this is the only feast mentioned in reference to 
the uh, millennium. Read verse 16. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The, who's, who's that? The people who didn't uh, uh, come against Jerusalem are uh, the people who didn't take the mark of the beast. At the end, uh, in Matthew 25, it tells us about the judgment of the nations, and you'll divide the goats from the sheep. The goats are the mark of the beast crowd. And the people who are the sheep, that's who it's talking about there, they will uh, go up from year to year to worship the king, capital K, King Jesus, we know now, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Mentioned again, um, uh, well, let's go ahead and read verse 18. There it tells us about, it. we already read about Ethiopia. Look at what it says about Egypt in verse 18. Read that. And if the family of Egypt go not up, and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. There you go. So that's going to happen during the millennium. And uh, the only feast mentioned is the Feast of Tabernacles, but you don't do that, and uh, you get uh, drought, and if you persist in that, then you get plague. <laughs> All very interesting stuff. But back to our text now. Having said that, then uh, we get the Lord calling on His people to praise Him. Look verse 13. Sing, O, ye, o heavens, and be joyful, O earth, and break forth into singing, O mountains, plural again, for the Lord hath comforted His people. And will have mercy upon his afflicted. You want to you want to spiritualize that and talk about? It? Oh, that's a, that's just talking about church. We go to church and we sing to the Lord. Uh, you know, power to you, babe. But I take this literally, and I think there's coming a time where it's going to be something way beyond church. Amen. I love church services. I love church meetings, but this is a taste. Yeah. Of what's the cut? Yeah. I would just say on, on that passage in Zechariah, I think it would be good to add verse 19 to that too. Because then he just makes it more clear. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up. Yeah. To keep up the Feast of Tabernacles. Amen. And uh, you say, well, on the back of that, then we get this call to sing, Oh heavens, well yeah. Uh, you know, we're not, we don't celebrate the fact that people rebel against God. But what we do praise Him for is the fact that He is God, He is holy, He takes care of sin and wickedness, and He's going to make sure that it does, it never again is, uh, prevails. Amen. During the millennium, there will be some sin, obviously, if they're doing that. But it'll be as close to a sinless planet we've ever seen since the garden. Wow. When there were only two people. When there were only two people. And it'll be a place where peace will rule. There will not be any more wars. You won't have the Democrat Marxist death cult and the rhino Republican war machine starting all these wars and sending all of our money to overseas wars, all ignoring all the needs of our veterans and not willing to shore up our border. None of that. Any, any, none, all that's gone. Over with. No more porn. No more sex trafficking. No more... You know, there, there will be some sin that take place, but 
I believe this is, I, 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 we have to do a real study on this sometime, but I believe it's just like this. Somebody, like that cop, you know, had to shoot that guy for pulling a knife. He actually got stabbed. I think he's still alive. Uh, but it was in the news a couple days ago. In the millennium, I don't think the knife goes in. I think that there'll be attempted murder. Attempted rape. There'll be attempts at doing those things, but Jesus is going to stop it. Yeah, how is he going to do that? might be us. He might use us and we just see something going on. All we have to do is say a word and they drop dead. The Bible says we are going to rule and reign with Him. It doesn't say we're going to sit back and watch. We're not going to be up in the stands going, Oh, did you see that? Good one. Good one, Lord. That was good. We're going to be a part of it. Yeah. In the Old Testament, they talked about if children rebelled, yeah. parents were to stone them. Yeah. And I imagine there weren't very many people who would rebel. No. Because they saw their buddy get stoned. Right. Yeah. And what is the Ecclesiastes talks about that uh, that uh, wickedness uh, you know takes place and is pervasive because the sentence is delayed. That's not going to happen during the millennium. Why do you think everybody's shoplifting in all the big liberal cities now? It's because you know they don't punish shoplifters. You got you have to steal more than $900 in some of those cities and they or they don't even charge you. If you're a criminal, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, you talk about America's dumbest criminals. If you live in a big city like that and you don't shoplift, you're pretty dumb. I mean, as long as you just have to do math and make sure you don't have more than $900 worth of stuff. You had $1,200 worth of stuff. Yeah, but I have coupons. Let's close in Colossians 3. I'll leave, I'm going to leave off verse 13 there. And uh, go to Colossians, let's see, chapter 3, verse 12. That's where we'll close off. We're not there yet, but you know what? It's as good as done. It's with the knowledge of these things that we then can face the world and face life and know that, yeah, life's rough. There's sickness, there's death, there's trials and tribulations. But there's a better day coming. And we demonstrate to the world that we believe in that better day coming when we act like we believe it. So Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. Read the odd with me. I'm going to start with verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the God, peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, 
do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And I, my point is that if you let the word of Christ, which is every word in this book, you let it dwell in you richly in all wisdom, and what are you going to do? You're going to want to talk about it to others. That's teaching. And you're going to have a song in your heart. And you're going to not only sing in church, which is good when the church gets together, but you should have a song in your heart through the day. And uh, it'll, it's a life-changing thing. And uh, I tell you, if I didn't have the Word of God knowing what's, what's ahead of us, God's given us enough information. We're not guessing about this. It's a done deal. We could have just been left, to, and he said, just trust me. That'd be hard. We'd have to do it. But he didn't leave us with that. He didn't just say, just trust me. He said, trust my word. And I'm going to tell you a bunch of things about what's going to happen. And you can trust that it's going to happen. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. And do ask your Holy Spirit to help us to absorb the information you've given us in this book that it might dwell in us richly and that we might demonstrate our knowledge and faith in the word of God having been born again by faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ receiving the Holy Spirit let us be filled with your spirit filled with your word and then serving you like we believe the book as it is written in Jesus name amen amen Alright guys, go get your tea.